Fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. It is a Wednesday. It is the middle of the week. And welcome aboard for another day. Man, it's an odd one. It's a strange day today, but still a good one nonetheless. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations. TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death and appreciate you hanging out with us today like you do each and every day. What a show we have lined up for you today. No guests today, which is very strange. Very, very rarely do we not have a guest on this program, but we have a lot to talk about today. So no guests today. You and I chit in the chat, lingering as we stare at each other across the bar, having our adult beverages or whatever else you may partake in. We got some election coverage stuff. We have the latest on unemployment. I will reiterate again my detestment of a certain organization, which we'll get to here in just a second, and a heck of a lot more. Today's a weird day, though. Anybody else feel it just a little strange? Now, I know for those that believe in it or that like to follow this in some way, shape, or form, I know that we are in a Mercury retrograde. Andy, what's that? If you don't know what it is, don't worry about it. <laughs> I know that we're honestly in a retrograde of like six different planets right now, so the energies are a little strange. Maybe that's why the energies were sucked right out of my battery in my car, which for those that were concerned that wanted to follow up, yes, it was the battery in my car that stranded me at the State Fair on Monday here in Kansas where I'm hailing from. It was nothing more than the battery. Now, my auto mechanic guy that I have, good friends, he's a neighbor of mine, and he runs the shop right next to us, so that's where we always take our vehicles. Uh, He said, Andy, honestly, you got the good money's worth out of your vehicle's battery because it was five years old. So, yes, he tested the starter. Yes, he tested the alternator. Everything is hunky-dory there. It's all good. He's like, you just literally needed a new battery. So, um, we got that and back up and running. So everything's good there. But I'm wondering if maybe that's it. Maybe the energy is in the air. Just kind of suck the energy right out of the battery. And that's why it killed it. Why it was running great. And then poof, nothing, nada. So we're back up there. But today's a strange day. I don't know. I've been feeling off all day today. Not in a bad way. Just strange. Little voice of reason. For some reason did not have school today. Don't know why they didn't have school in the middle of the week on a Wednesday doesn't make any sense to me. Usually, you know, teacher in service stuff is usually like a Monday or a Friday, make it a three-day weekend sort of thing. But why right in the middle of the week? That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So we have that. Strange things have been happening around the day. Again, not bad things, just the things that make you go, hmm. Then, I guess if we want to get into the really weird news, I saw this headline today in our weird news of the day. Weird news of the day. Oh, there we go. Our our weird news of the day today, I don't know if you've seen the headline, but apparently NASA and those that are running this new James Webb telescope have officially found an Earth-like planet within our galaxy. I know, kind of cool. Kind of awesome. They are calling it the Kepler-186F. 
as they have found it. It is 500 light years away from Earth, and it looks identical to Earth with clouds and with water and with everything else on there. So that's awesome. It's on the other side of the Milky Way galaxy, and uh, that's awesome. So the fact that now we're starting to find these things, I am reiterating my confirmation of belief in extraterrestrials, and we will be in contact with them very soon. At the same time, we probably already met them because have you seen Joe Biden? There's my joke for the day. Thank you very much. But the planet thing is actually true, and I think that's kind of neat. We're not going to spend, obviously, time on that, but I find that fascinating. Maybe we'll try and get somebody on the program to talk about that later on uh, throughout the show. Not today, though, because we got a lot to talk about. We do have some uh, some election stuff I want to get to. Dr. Oz is still making the news. Tim Ryan out of Ohio making some absurd comments. We'll get to all that here in just a minute. But I want to reiterate in our latest in what's trending... What's trending today? I want to reiterate to you my detestment of a certain, not a company, not an organization, but a group of organizations, my detestment of labor unions. I absolutely detest them. Maybe they had a purpose back in the day, but I still conflict and still argue about that as well. We can talk about that if we'd like and go back into history of why they started. I get why they started. At the same time, many companies had already been doing the right thing, trying to take care of their workers because it's more expensive for them to continuously retrain and rehire new people as opposed to just taking care of the ones that actually show up to work and are productive and are happy and productive in their workforce. And it's maybe very controversial even for those on the right side of the aisle, but I absolutely detest labor unions, both private and public. I just don't like them. I do not want to work for a union. I refuse to work for a union. In college, I was trying to find a college job, which did not work out very well, which is why I sat on $80,000 of student loans, because I just took up my living expenses and student loans as well at that time. Not the smartest move. Totally get it. But I did apply for a couple of jobs, and one of them in Ohio was UPS. And I went through the interview process, now, they weren't going to hire me anyways because they like, Andy, you are going to classes all day long and then you are going to work third shift overnight. When are you going to sleep? And I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's probably not going to work too well. But I really want a job. They didn't hire me for that anyways. But during the interview process, they told me that I was mandated to join the union when I worked for UPS. And by that time, I had already made up my decision that I didn't want to work there anyway. So to hell with those guys and not hiring me, even though they didn't want me to, you know, wanted me to sleep and take care of myself. How dare them? But I was going to try and find something. And then I decided not to because of having to join a union. Many individuals love unions. That's why many states in the Rust Belt, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, all down a little bit into you know Kentucky, a little bit into Missouri, but a lot of the unions that uh, the Middle America part, there are a lot of Republicans that enjoy the unions because that's just the industry. They grew up with the unions. The union takes care of them. The union does their thing. They do their thing, and they're happy and content with it. Even as Republican conservatives, uh, they are the blue collar workers, the blue dog Democrats, if they are on that Democrat side. And Donald Trump, guess what, won them even while the unions majoritively by like 80 to 90 percent endorse and support and fund Democrat candidates because they're all about the socialism. You got to remember the structure of a union. It is not to take care of you. It is about the socialized structure that we are the ruling class and we will fight to, quote unquote, give you rights or to give you better benefits or to give you better pay. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go buy myself a new Mercedes when you guys go and strike and you're struggling to put food on your table because we're fighting for your better rights. I do not like it because it is literally the structured identity of a socialist utopia within a union. 
And while you could vote Republican, they're out there supporting Democrats with your dues money telling you to vote Democrat. And then it's up to you to actually educate yourself and vote the opposite direction if you choose not to support what the union's telling you to do so. Uh, that's my whole big setup for the reason why I despise unions. The reason I'm talking about it is because, guess what? We're still in the middle of COVID recovery. Our economy is still in the tanks, uh, regardless of whatever Joe Biden and the Democrats and the mainstream media try to tell you. Our economy is in the dumps right now. We're sitting at a 9-plus percent inflation rate right now. We still do not have jobs to cover a lot of the businesses that are trying to open back up, including the bars and the restaurants and the fast food joints and the nightclubs and the event venues that are trying to put on concerts. There are a lot of these places that still do not have enough workers. And because the Democrats essentially took over during the COVID pandemic and said that now is your opportunity, it's time for you to move on up and get better pay or to go to a better job, which if you do get a better job, kudos to you. That's awesome. You're not supposed to stay in an entry-level position making minimum wage your entire life. That's the whole point of an entry-level minimum wage position is to gain the experience and then move on to bigger and better things. The problem is is that the new generation of youngins who are trying to come up and gain some experience or make some money aren't gaining the experience or making the money because they've been told that they don't have to do so because now we just need to forgive student loans and for you to go about your life and do whatever you want to without working hard to actually achieve it. So we're still struggling. It's harder and harder to find food on the grocery store shelves. And when you do find it, it's up near anywhere between 30 to 120% up from what we saw this same time last year. Cars are extremely expensive, not just because of getting it to a lot to be able to sell to you, but also because of the electronic chips and everything that goes on with it as well. We have an energy crisis where gas is still floating between 3 to $4 here in the middle of the country when it should be like $2. It's up near 5 or 6 or $7 over on the coasts on California and the East Coast, whatever it is right now. We have natural gas that's extremely expensive. We have electricity that's being strained because we're buying up all these stupid electric vehicles. We have a crisis. Don't need to go through every checklist here, but we have a crisis. Just about everybody knows it. And if you don't realize it, then it's because you're either not paying attention or you have such a cushy life you don't have to worry about that stuff. (laughs) I don't know which one, but if you are, then again, I applaud you for being in that situation because 80% of America is feeling the brunt of what's going on right now. Well, with all of that being said, there's apparently going to be a potential strike by a union with the rail companies. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. According to Newsmax.com, the Biden administration is trying to avert the rail shutdown as smaller unions reject the deal with the labor unions and the companies that have offered better pay, but they're holding out for better working conditions. Now, I'm all about working conditions and making sure your working conditions are proper, making sure that you're actually getting your hour lunch break or making sure that you're working your eight hours or that you're being compensated properly if you work overtime or if you do work overtime that you still have a cap on how many hours of overtime you're allowed to have. I get it. But right now, can I ask you the question, and can we be honest and frank about this, even if you are a union-supporting individual, is this really the time for this? Do you realize the devastation that would happen if we go on a union strike right now for the rail companies that transport vehicles to car lots all over the country, that transport coal for the energy in different states, that transport natural gas, that transport gasoline, that transports agriculture and food to actually get it to different areas outside of just uh, the drivers and uh, truck drivers and semis. Now, they're a huge part of it. 
and maybe that would help boost that industry, but that industry is already struggling as well. They can't find workers that do truck driving. You can't get anybody now to get your uh, license to be able to drive a semi, and when you do, a lot of them aren't even U.S. citizens, which, again, there's nothing wrong. If you have your green card, cool, that's cool. You're making some good money. You could make some good money being a truck driver. But right now, that industry's struggling. And we've talked about supply chain issues with semis not being able to get to where they need to at the appropriate time and having a backlog of stuff. Now we're going to strain the rail industry because we want better pay and better conditions and some of the smaller unions that are holding this up. Now, the first question I ask is why the Biden administration is working to avert this. They're trying to host these different things. Here's my message to you, Joe Biden and the Democrats and federal government. Get the hell out of the way. This has nothing to do with you. This is strictly the businesses and their employees. Period. End of story. Why are you involved in this? Why are you involved in any way, shape, or form? You shouldn't be involved at all. It is the business and the employees. Those working the railways, working the trains, working as the conductors, working as the whatever else you do on the rails, on the rail, on the uh, roadways. That is between the employee and the business. The government should not be involved in this, but unfortunately, we live in a non-commonsensical uh, world to where that's not the case. So they're hosting it as the railroad companies of Union Pacific, Berkshire Hathaways, BNSF, and Norfolk Southern have until midnight or a minute past midnight on Friday to reach a deal with the three holdout unions that represent roughly 60,000 workers before the stoppage could affect other industries. Amtrak is already starting to cancel some of their long-term traveling because they don't know whether they're actually going to be able to continue to operate or not. Other industries are trying to uh, uh, trying to maneuver themselves as well. As 12 different union companies representing 150,000 workers could be affected by this. You may not see food. You may not see cars. You may not see retail stores. You may not see gas or electricity coming to your area thanks to a union that's holding themselves out and wanting to destroy the entire U.S. economy. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We love you to death. Appreciate you very much. So, I have I mentioned how much I detest labor unions? <laughs> have I reiterated how much I despise labor unions to do the nth degree? I will not work for them. Despise it. Can't do it. Imagine, if you will, an industry where you literally keep the country going right now. And okay, yeah, you know what? Battle for better wages. Battle for better uh, benefits. Battle for better working conditions. Whatever it may be. I get it. I don't know how terrible it could potentially be. I know that if you're short-staffed, you get strained. I get that. Welcome to the radio industry. When you get short-staffed, you got to cover a lot of hats. you got to wear a lot of hats, and you got to do a lot of things and work a lot of long hours. You know what? That's every industry. That's in radio. That's in the auto industry. That's in customer service. That's in retail. That's in, uh, I'm sure, with this, with uh, whatever. If you're short-staffed, you have to rely on your same workers to do more of the stuff until you can get things all picked back up again. I get it. So if you're looking looking for those, you know, capped a certain amount of hours, I'm sure there's already laws on the books. I don't know the indus- the ins and outs of the rail industry, but good golly, you literally keep the economy going right now. And while we're trying to come back and recover from this COVID-19 pandemic where the Democrats forced us to shut everything down unnecessarily, might I 
Ed. They're now going to threaten to strike because they want this. And they know that they had that power. This is literally saying, hey, we have an open wound as the U.S. as, as the country, as the U.S. economy. We have an open wound right now that we're trying to seal up. We're trying to sew it back together after being self-inflicted and cutting it ourselves by forcing ourselves to shut down and telling you you're not essential. You need to go home during the COVID-19 pandemic. We cut it open ourselves. And while we're trying to sew it, these guys are here and be like, you know what? Just going to pour a little salt in there. Rub a little salt in that wound just to make it burn, baby, burn. Because, you know, gas prices apparently are not high enough right now. Electricity rates and natural gas rates to try and cool or heat your home are not high enough right now. The food prices that are at 100% inflation right now are not high enough right now. The cars that are insanely expensive right now because of the chip uh, shortages and the electronic shortages and the silver shortages and the worker shortages and the transportation shortages, that and industry is not high enough right now let's go ahead and jack it up they know the ramifications they're going to have on this industry they know it that's why they're threatening to do it because they know the leverage that they have really bending over the private industry to pay them more than what is uh really the value that they're worth and nothing against trying to better advocate for better wages again but you've got to remember you have to find the happy balance in the private sector do you not that's why unions screwed that up That's why unions working with the government screwed that up, because there is a value to your worth, which is why companies hire you at a certain rate. And if that rate is too low, then you can ask for more. You can show your value by doing more, or you can go to another company, which is going to pay you better for the same job that you're doing. And because of that awesome industry and that awesome concept of capitalism and competition in the free market laissez-faire private sector if the if two companies are hiring the same job and one's paying better than the other everybody's going to be applying to that other job and when the other company that's paying less realizes that and they can't get the good qualified workers that are actually going to do a good job, guess what's happening? They're going to raise their rates or they're going to raise their benefits to find the better employee so that way they don't have to keep running through the mill. That's the way the private sector works. But there's a happy medium there till you have a certain amount of qualifications, you have a certain amount of skill, that's what those skills are worth in the private sector. Period. There's zero need for a union. When a union gets involved, when the government gets involved, that's when the entire happy balance of the free market gets off kilter because now you're forcing something and you're paying more than what that needs, which creates what? Higher prices for the goods, which creates what? Creates inflation. So thank you for rubbing that salt in that wound. And by the way, thank you, media, for causing the anarchy and the chaos and the uh, and the fear tactics like you do during a government shutdown to where you're empowering the unions because you're on their side and you love the socialism anyways. You're empowering them just like a government shutdown. Either give them what they want or the entire industry will collapse. Back after this here on The Voice of Reason for a Wednesday. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right you are. Welcome back into The Voice of Reason. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place. Thanks for hanging out today on a midweek celebration. 
Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. <laughs> You're probably tired of me railing on the li- railing. Ah, see, see what I did there? Railing on the rail unions that are about to go on strike this weekend and disrupting the supply chain issues as we could see some higher gas prices, some shortages on cars and goods and electricity and food and everything else because, well, they want better pay right now. At a time when we're already at 9% inflation, at a time we're already trying to get the supply chain issues back underway after the COVID, not even the COVID pandemic. Let's be clear about that, right? And then we'll move on. Let's be clear. It wasn't COVID that caused the supply chain disruptions. It did a little, but out of everything going on, I would say maybe 20%. You know what really caused it? The Biden administration, when they're like, hey, you know what? I know we have a lot of ships right off the coast of California that came in from China with all the goods that we have. We're not going to dock them. That was the Biden administration. That was the uh, state of California. That was the progressives that were like, we're not going to dock those ships. We're going to hold off on that. Remember Ron DeSantis for Christmas? We did our own very, uh, our parody, our voice of reason satire bit on DeSantis saves Christmas because he's the one last year that said, you know what? Come around the back end and we'll undock you here in Florida. You guys don't have to wait there in California. They caused it. Not covid We didn't have a single bit of supply chain issues during COVID, except for, of course, the toilet paper, because everybody thought that was a grand idea. Hey, there's a virus that's attacking your lungs. Let's go buy toilet paper. (laughs) That didn't make a whole lot of sense, but nonetheless, that's what we did. Outside of that one, and that was replenished within like a week, two weeks, and it was done. Ben, boom, you got it back in there, and then they had to limit it, but they at least had it in stock. We have more supply chain issues now than what we did during COVID. Let's be very clear about that. Don't let the media try to fool you. Well, the COVID supply chain issues. It's not how it works. Nonetheless, I am not happy with the unions right now. I am not happy with the railways, and the fact that we could potentially see an even worse situation economically is a bit frustrating to me. With that, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to change it and get into our what's trending for the day. What's trending today? And I want to talk about some election issues. For one, right now, there is a massive battle going on in the state of Ohio for an open U.S. Senate seat. And the Democrat, Tim Ryan, has come out and made some pretty foolish remarks. Shocker. Progressives trying to make some foolish remarks as he was on MSNBC, I believe. And he made these. Now, we're going to break this up. This is a bit of a long segment, but or a bit of a long interview that he did. But we'll break it up. This is what he said is he's going into really a neck-and-neck race in Ohio against J.D. Vance for the open Senate seat right now. But the favorable and unfavorability rates show that Tim Ryan has a less of an unfavorable view in the state as opposed to J.D. Vance, who is about neck-and-neck on his favorability and unfavorability. Not a big shocker because if a Democrat says that there's a Republican on the ticket, then it's unfavorable. If a Republican sees a Democrat on the ticket, then they're like, yeah, you know what? It's not unfavorable. I just don't care for him. Just don't. I'm indifferent. So I find those kind of flawed in those polls. Nonetheless, though, Tim Ryan talking about why he's up on the favorability and unfavorability ratings and what he wants to do to the MAGA crowd. Well, I would say, one, I'm I'm one of the most bipartisan members of Congress. The last two Congresses, I've been in the top 10 percent of most bipartisan. I want to work across the aisle. Look, the Democrats aren't right on everything. And I'm willing to sit down and have conversations about how we can move out of this age of stupidity and into an age of reconciliation and reform. How do we fix all of these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans, not not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement. 
Um, but Oh, my. We got to kill and confront that movement. All right, let's start off from the beginning here again. A bipartisan guy. Sometimes Democrats don't have all the answers. Willing to work with Republicans, but willing to work with the moderate Republicans, the ones that he gets along with, not the radical Trump supporters, not the radical MAGA crowd, not the radical conservatives, just a, just a you know, middle-of-the-road Republican guy who's open to just not having a pair of huevos to actually stand for what he believes in and just cowering to Democrats. Those are the kind of Republicans he's willing to work with in his bipartisan manner because Democrats don't always have the right answer. Let's be very clear. I don't know much about Tim Ryan. I lived in Ohio. I grew up in Ohio. I went to college in Ohio. I spent a couple years ago there. I went to Ohio again for about six months. And I don't know anything about Tim Ryan other than he's a congressman from the state. That's all I know about him. And maybe he does work across the aisle. I highly doubt it, though, because he sounds a bit of a like a left-wing extremist. But while he says that Democrats don't have all the answers, I want to be very clear. The Democrats walk in tandem with one another, and they very, very, very rarely step outside of their line because they are a top-down, what the DNC tells them, what they have to do. They get their marching orders, and they do it. Without question, without confrontation, they just do it. Now, things are changing a little bit. We have the AOC crowd, the B-Squad, that's challenging Nancy Pelosi, trying to take things to a radical left agenda right now in a different way. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is still a radical left-wing Democrat. However, they're from, like, the elite establishment. We just want to go with the status quo and continue to make money for ourselves. While the AOCs are like, hey, let's throw socialism into the mix even more so and just screw up the entire process. (laughs) Both are wrong. They're just different flavors of wrong. The Joe Manchins of the day... I don't know if you've paid attention to the news in any way, shape, or form lately, but Joe Manchin is not really one of the most popular Democrats tonight now because he stopped the uh, Build Back Better plan. He stopped the Green New Deal. He stopped bills that were hanging on for the Biden administration to have some type of success at all, and he's the one that sabotaged that. And you remember the montage of Democrats that we played of them railing on Joe Manchin, saying that they want him out of the party, but unfortunately now's not the best time to try and sabotage him within their own party. So Tim Ryan, congressman from Ohio, running for the open Senate seat in the state, says that Democrats don't always have the answers and he's willing to work with Republicans. I highly doubt it. Unless he's willing to stand up and be the next Joe Manchin to say, sorry, this is too radical, I'm not going to go along with this, I highly doubt that he's going to be that guy that's going to be the firm stance on policy to say, sorry, Democrats, I'm not supporting you in a tie-breaking vote. Really highly doubt it. Could be wrong, but I highly doubt it. The next part of it, though, was a bit of the concern, wasn't it? Well, I would say, one, I'm, I'm one of the most bipartisan members of Congress. The last two Congresses, I've been in the top 10% of most bipartisan. I want to work across the aisle. Look, the Democrats aren't right on everything, and I'm willing to sit down and have conversations about how we can move out of this age of stupidity and into an age of reconciliation and reform. How do we fix all of these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans, not not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement. Um, but, the, you know, working with normal mainstream Republicans, I think that's going to be really, really important because we have to reform uh, these systems. And I will tell them. All right. We need to work with the mainstream normal Republicans. Again, the ones that are like, oh, hey, let's just go with the flow and just give in to Democrats because when they push the envelope, they try and create socialist programs, they expand government programs. Let's just go along with the Republicans that don't like to fight it or that just make their audio clips saying they want to fight it and then actually don't do anything. But the MAGA ones that are actually truly there to disrupt the system and stop government from doing its shenanigans, they're the radicals, they're the extremes. We need to kill it 
and confront it. Now, you know me, I'm somewhat of a hyperbolic, satirical in individual. I do not believe he's physically saying we need to kill the MAGA crowd. We need to confront the MAGA crowd in a violent form. However, it does just add to the notch, you know, another flag on the lapel there, the the lapel on the, uh, the, the shirt, however you want to phrase that, with the re- rhetoric that's a bit on the dangerous end for the Democrats, do we not? We have Tim Ryan now. We need to kill and confront the MAGA crowd. We have Maxine Waters getting their faces. We're going to disrupt. We're going to completely ignore the Supreme Court on abortion issues in Roe v. Wade. You got Kathy Griffin, who made the photo with her beheading Trump, and now she made the tweet just a couple weeks ago saying that if you vote Republican, then you're voting for a civil war, meaning that unless you vote Democrat, we're going to overthrow because we're Democrats and we're intolerant for anybody else. Then you have Joe Biden that just spoke two weeks ago that said that you are the most radical group in the country. And you need to be dealt with as a quote-unquote domestic terrorist. Now, I'm not saying that's where he's going with this, but it's just the rhetoric that just notches on top of all that stuff, the icing on the cake. If Republicans made any inkling to that against Democrats, do you realize how the media would just be attacking them viciously? The mob from the left saying, oh, you are the violent ones that are clinging to your guns and Bibles. He continues. I'm too, like, we got to get the government out of our business. I'm all in on that. You see the Dobbs decision. You see, you know, in Florida where they're trying to punish businesses, J.D. Vance is all in on that, punishing businesses because they don't necessarily have the business culture that these ideologues want them to have, like, you know, government overreach into the private lives of our of our citizens, like with the Dobbs decision, getting rid of birth control, talking about nullifying marriages like that is way too much government in our business. And I'm down with that. And I think it's important for us also to dominate the industries of the future. That means infrastructure, that means research. And, and you know, we have to talk about the fact that just spending money, just spending money does not solve problems. We have broken systems, so we've got- Dude, this is the kind of rhetoric where it makes sense to individuals who may not pay attention to a lot of politics. It may sound good to that moderate Republican. Oh, he wants to get government out of my life, and he wants to say that money's not just going to be the- Cure all. Do you realize how stupid he sounds right now, though? As a Democrat, as a progressive that wants bigger government programs that will never, ever, ever, ever stand up to the Democrats and say we need to cut the budgets from the federal government is the one saying that he wants to get government out of the lives of individuals. Do you realize how stupid that sounds? Because it's untrue. He's not going to cut government programs. Put your money where your mouth is or put your mouth where your money is or put your actions where your campaign is. Come out and openly say you want to defund the IRS, you want to cut Medicare and Medicaid, you want to cut the social programs, you want to get the private sector back on track and truly get the government out of our lives. Deregulate. No, that's not going to happen, though. He's a Democrat. He's a socialist. He's a radical. He's a nut. He's a liar. And he's a false prophet for the Democrats. They're trying to win over that seat by winning over the moderate and the purple seats there in the state of Ohio. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. The Democrats aren't right on everything, and I'm willing to sit down and have conversations about how we can move out of this age of stupidity 
and into an age of reconciliation and reform? How do we fix all of these broken systems? Some of those answers will come from Republicans. It's not not the extremists that we're dealing with every single day. We've got to kill and confront that movement. <laughs> got to kill and confront that movement. Just right on the list there. Continue on that icing on the cake with some of that rhetoric, that dangerous rhetoric from the other side of the aisle. They don't care, though. They're just going to say whatever they want. The media is going to let them say whatever they want to. That dangerous rhetoric, if you support Trump, if you believe in conservatism, if you believe in, you know, letting the government just leave you alone like he says he believes in, then you're just a radical rhetoric, uh, just a radical guy that needs to be killed or confronted in a metaphorically speaking way. Trust me, don't worry. You don't have to do that for us. We do that on our own as the conservatives in the Republican Party. We just, we, we kill ourselves. We are our own worst enemy, which I've said so many times before on this show. We kill ourselves plenty of times. We don't need your help. As Democrats, you should probably learn now that all you have to do is just let us be, and we'll just sabotage ourselves, (laughs) which is what Republicans have always done, haven't they? I mean, we have uh, Mitch McConnell. We have Kevin McCarthy that are the hack rhinos that sabotage and tried to stop Donald Trump during the first part of his administration when we had the majorities in both chambers and him. And yet we still couldn't get anything through because we had John McCain's and we had the Jeff Flakes and we had the uh, uh, whoever else um, trying to think of somebody who was a Jeff Flake. I, I mean, I of course, I had the name, the two from Arizona, Jeff Flake and uh, John McCain at that time. Then we had Ben Sass out of Nebraska. We had Liz Cheney out of the uh, out of Wyoming. Thank God she's gone. We were our own worst enemy, and we still are our own worst enemy. We're not campaigning properly. We have Kevin McCarthy out there right now that's talking about his uh, contract for America, wanting to revive what Newt Gingrich did, trying to live off the glory days there instead of coming up with a new plan. And while we've moved on from the abortion issue, essentially, and we're talking about a massive economic failure, we have Republicans coming out now with their plan to try and ban abortion after 15 weeks and trying to push the abortion issue again. Guess what, dude? You're a couple months behind the ball, the eight ball here. You're a day late and a dollar short. We do our own damage. Then you have Dr. Oz running for that open seat in the state of Pennsylvania for that Senate seat, and he's not doing us any favors. While he was the MAGA endorsed candidate, which is why he got the nomination, also because of his name and all the money that he has as well. But with that endorsement uh, from Donald Trump helped uh, surge him into the lead for that nomination, and now he's not campaigning. He's not doing a whole lot. He's struggling in the polls right now. He's not talking about Trump or embracing conservatism. He's trying to widen the umbrella, which I get it. Every candidate does. They go far right or far left to the primaries. In the general election, they try to go to the middle to try and win as many over as they possibly can. So I get it. It happens all the time with candidates in the general. But he's doing no favors to try and win over conservatives right now. And now we see his finances as more of his finances get released about how he's invested in two pharmaceutical industries. Uh, Some of them, which I have no problem with, where they supported the hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19. Yes, yes. And I'll probably get booted off social media for saying that word now, although they are lifting the restrictions in some ways. I find that kind of interesting. Now that the pandemic's over and we're back to normal, then they're like, okay, now you can say that hydroxychloroquine works. Now you can say that remdesivir is a horrible thing. Now you can say that the vaccines aren't the most efficient thing out there. You couldn't say that before when everybody was in panic mode, but now you can say that. (laughs) Uh, But two of his pharmaceutical companies that he has uh, stock in promoted the hydroxychloroquine. The media is coming after him for that one. Just the easy one. Again, it's the easy toppling of the candidate that the media and the mainstream media and the establishment chose. Pick the moderate guy 
that, uh, oh, he's willing to work across the aisle. He's the easy one to work with. He's going to be great in D.C. And then try to radicalize him in the general so that way they look like a nut job. It's what they did with Mitt Romney. It's what they did with John McCain. It's what they're doing with Dr. Oz now. They're doing that to all the Republicans. Get the moderate. Say he's willing to work across the aisle and he's going to be perfect. And then try and make him look like the radical because he's an idiot and he's a, he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's not a real doctor and he's supporting hydroxychloroquine and all this other garbage. Because why not try to make him look like the bad guy after you chose him? That's why usually if the media endorses somebody, we vote for the opposite person. Obviously. That was just the unfortunate one where Donald Trump was personal friends with Dr. Oz, and now we have him as the candidate. We have to get him over the, the finish line, whether he's campaigning or not. We have to force him to get into Washington, D.C. and do his damn job because we have to have that seat. We have to win a Republican majority, and we have to have that in the Senate, and that seat is vital. So we'll drag you across the finish line, and then we'll hold your feet to the fire to be a conservative Republican like you said you were going to be. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. We have some great guests coming up the next couple days as well. Right around the corner. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.